the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by Cleveland Right to Life and is responsible for its content. Welcome to From the Median, a daily report from the front line of the pro-life movement, discussing two worldviews that are driving our culture in opposite directions. From the Median asks, which side of the road are you on? What direction do you want our culture to go? Tune in as we plan the route that takes us back to the culture of life. And now your host, Molly Smith. Good evening and welcome to From the Median, where we are concerned with the middle ground, not just to understand both sides of an argument, but also to awaken the consciences of those who are neutral or indifferent to this, the greatest civil rights movement of all times, the pro-life movement. Listeners, as always, thank you, thank you, thank you for joining us. It's great to have you with us. And I hope you're all checking out our, our, our uh, very much improved website because there's lots of new stuff up there. Well, it's actually the same old stuff, but it's in a new format, and I'm sure you're going to love it. Remember also that all of our programs can be downloaded on your podcast app, so please go ahead and do that and share it with as many people as you can. You are going to want to share this one, and I say that to you with every guest pretty well that comes on the show because we have such amazing guests, but this particular guest is is a reconnect. I knew Dr. Elizabeth Rex, and I've known Dr. Elizabeth Rex probably for a good eight, nine years. Elizabeth, you were one of our presenters at our Bringing America Back to Life convention. Not right, not so. Yes, that's right. Yes, in yes. 2016. There Thank you. you. Go. Yeah. So, so it's been a while since we've actually connected, but it's great to reconnect again because you have got so much information and you, your work is so important for all of us. Elizabeth is the president of an organization that is called the most beautiful name, the Children First Foundation, as, as she pointed out to me before we came on the show. It's not the children's with an S, it's the children first. We need to start putting our children first. And I love the fact that they've done this and that they've started an organization. She has started this organization. So much to talk about, Elizabeth. Let's just jump right in. Firstly, number one, before we even get there, I want you to tell the listeners a little bit about how did you get involved in this work? Thank you, Molly. My husband and I got married late in life, and we had years of infertility. We were 40 when we got married and checked ourselves out with the doctor, but no go. So we had our cry and started looking into adoption. Well, lo and behold, as we were looking into adoption and raising baby cockatiel birds, we had a double clutch (laughs) (laughs) and we're feeding a lot of little baby birds when all of a sudden I had a baby on the way. And so Charles was born when I was 45 and we said, wow, adoption really works. Let's try that again. So we started looking into adoption and then we adopted our second son. And when we were both 50, we adopted our daughter wow. that, uh, from a pregnancy care center um, that we were raising money for. And a couple walked in thinking it was a Planned Parenthood, expectant mother care was in the same building as Planned Parenthood, and it was pregnancy center. Oh, wow. Thank God. So uh, he spoke to them about adoption, and um, 
long story short, we, we adopted our daughter. And so we were raising money for pregnancy centers. My husband was a concert violinist with the New York Philharmonic. And so we did uh, benefit concerts and would give three or $4,000 to pregnancy centers. We said, why don't we start an organization that, where it's tax deductible? So that's when my husband came up with the name, in honor of birth mothers wow. who put their children first. Oh, what a beautiful, what a beautiful story. What a beautiful name. Yes. And it really helps us to think about what are we doing in today's world, Elizabeth. You have got very involved in working with um I, I, I want to say probably snowflake adoptions, which is what it sort of started that name now. And I love it. I absolutely love it. Um, but with embryo, frozen embryos um, yes. and working, tell us a little bit about that. How did you get involved in that? You've got, uh, and, and you've put together some very ethical, very moral, very Christ focused um, ground rules for want of a better name you know you've got them all out there now and i think we this is what we've got to get out to everybody we've got to understand there are thousands and thousands of embryos that are that need to be adopted Bottom that's line. correct yeah. and so experienced adoption twice and we met the birth parents both the mother and the father in both of the adoptions, we realized what a loving and courageous choice it was. I, we knew nothing about embryo adoption. And so when I first heard about it, it was probably in when it was the embryonic stem cell research um, debates back in the 2004 and five, and billions of dollars that were going to go to use these leftover frozen embryos for research. And Lo and behold, President Bush vetoed the bill twice, in, mm -hmm. once in the House and once in the Senate. And he, he, the first time he vetoed the bill in, in his very first veto as president, he was surrounded by children. They were uh, snowflake children. Babies. Oh, my goodness. And it was uh, the it, Hannah Strigi was the very first adopted frozen embryo. And she was there with many others who were running around the Oval Office. <laughs> and President Bush, you know, picked up a little boy and said, this is why I'm vetoing this yeah. bill. Yeah. They're children. Yeah. yeah. And so that's, it, it brought, it, it, this is amazing. Hannah was probably about five or six years old. I may be a little off there. She was the world's, world's first known legally adopted frozen embryo. Wow. And there she is helping President Bush veto the embryonic stem cell oh bill in yes. the White House. Oh, my goodness. And yes. just recently, uh, as a 24-year-old, beautiful young woman, exactly the same age as my own adopted daughter. My daughter was born 10 days after Hannah was born. My, um, Hannah was born in December 1998. She was frozen for two years. She was one of 20 frozen embryos that John and Marlene Strigi adopted from another couple who had already had five, five children, I believe. And um, so it's what's amazing is that as a 24-year-old young adult with a master's in social work, she filed an amicus brief in the Dobbs decision. Oh, my and, goodness. And her amicus brief was... Um, with the Justice Foundation, 
Alan Parker, they did a great job. And basically, Hannah is saying, I am proof, living proof, that I was viable as an embryo Mm -hmm. in the Petri dish. I was viable for two years while I was frozen. And here I am. So I am living proof that life is viable at conception. And it, she asked to speak to the nine justices. That was very smart because then they had to read her brief in order to deny her. She didn't get that opportunity, but they all read her brief. Yep. And yep. lo and behold, Dobbs ruled in favor of life and overturned Roe v. Wade. This first frozen embryo has been in two major battles at, this, at, at the national level. So this is something that we need to, and the Catholic Church has been totally supportive of embryos and caring for them and healing them and saving them. All you have to do is read the documents. Mm -hmm. So Donum Vitae was 1987, so that was 12 years before her birth in 1998. No way could anyone even imagine embryo adoption back in 1987 with St. John Paul II. But in 2008, yeah, there were a number. There's over 2,000 now uh, children that have been adopted as frozen embryos. Mm-hmm. And people are beginning to realize we got to deal with this because there's a million, Molly. It's over a million frozen oh, embryos. My oh, my goodness. And uh, just last year, uh, there were three embryos. There was a couple. They had four children. Good Christian couple. Good Samaritans who said they wanted to rescue some of these frozen embryos. So they asked for the oldest embryos at the National Embryo Donation Center down in Tennessee. Dr. Jeffrey Keenan, I've spoken with him. And there were three that were frozen for 30 years. They didn't even have a record of who their biological parents oh, had my been. Goodness. So they adopted the three 30-year-old embryos frozen in 1992, and a little boy and a little girl were born oh just last goodness. year. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness, Elizabeth. Yeah. What so a beautiful this is, story. What a beautiful story. Yeah. Their, front, their picture was on the front page of the New York Post, and so I wow. bought all the copies I could possibly. I'll send you one if you want one. Oh, that would be so amazing. Oh, my goodness gracious. That's amazing. Absolutely amazing. So let me just say, before we go on, there's a book that was written by John Streaky, the father, and it's called A Snowflake Named Hannah. And the subtitle is Ethics, Faith, and First Adoption of a Frozen Embryo. And it's a unique true story that ignited a new pro-life movement. So now after Dobbs is over, we need to realize that Fertilization is when life begins. Absolutely. That's just scientific. scientific. Yeah. And in Catholic healthcare, of course, healthcare begins at conception, Absolutely. at fertilization, when it's a child. Yeah. Jesus Absolutely. was an embryo. Yeah. Mary was an embryo. Yeah. <laughs> Each yeah. one of us was an embryo. And so Catholic healthcare must start at conception. Yeah. Exactly and that's right. what Donum Vitae and Dignitas Personae, all the fundamental criterion is the inalienable, absolutely rock-solid right to life of the human embryo from the first moment of conception. Absolutely. So that includes frozen embryos. Yep, yep, exactly right. You know, you've, you, you, you've, uh, it, it's amazing to see um, the simple, just how... 
the the scientific facts as well as the as the moral facts are right there for all of us to see elizabeth and we've just gone through this terrible battle in ohio with fighting this um, disastrous evil amendment that's being put into our constitution which re- totally rejects the fact that that children are there is a human life there is a person from the moment of conception we you are so right we have to do very very targeted good education to the general public and what you are doing with these embryo adoption thing, um issues i think you know the whole the whole um um scientific uh, background towards this the, everything that goes towards it says to us we must value life from the moment of conception so thank you for doing this this is amazing tell us a little bit more about this the magisterian um Donum Vitae and Dignitas Persona, because these are the two things that I think is used not only just by Catholics. I think there are many, many Christian organizations out there that look to these or to these um, documents to help them to navigate through what's going on right now. Tell us a bit, you know, it's medical, as far as medical assistance is concerned, should embryos be cared for in the same way as any other human being? What does do these two documents say about that? Well, thank you, because that's where everything is. And remember when Mane Beauty was written, and for 20 years, people said, oh, the magisterium said, made a mistake. You know, birth control is just fine. And they didn't read the original Umane Vitae yeah, until John yep. Paul came around and explained it and then said, oh, maybe I should read this. Yep, exactly <laughs> And then right. it made perfect sense. So I think the same thing has happened with this topic because, of course, we know that IVF and artificial insemination and surrogacy are immoral and unethical on a number, every level. But what about the embryo? All of that is, it's not been well understood and it's actually, I think, been misinterpreted and even theories being uh, designed to actually contradict what the magisterium is actually teaching, Mm -hmm. which is very serious for um, matter. We, We need to begin there. Yeah, with sacred scripture, I mean, pull the donkey out of the well. Yeah, <laughs> no said, kidding. Even no on, kidding. Yeah, even on the Sabbath. But uh, as far as the magisterium, that's our rock solid guide. Mm-hmm. So yes, there is a question about whether uh, the church should approve prenatal adoption, but there's a major difference um, of gamete transfer, meaning eggs and sperm to obtain a fertilization or a conception, that is what is evil. Yeah. You don't mess with eggs and sperm and surrogates. And, but once the fertilization has taken place, once there's a conception, then save the baby. That's right. You, you don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Yeah, there's exactly. pre-fertilization and post-fertilization moral um, guidelines. objective yeah. Yeah. guide moral guidelines. Mm-hmm. So what is happens before fertilization is really illicit for IVF, which is artificial fertilization, which separates the unitive and the procreative. Mm-hmm. That's what separates um, the marital act and offends marriage and 
harms the spouses because they, they should only be parents through each other, not someone, not a technician, not a donor sperm, not a donor egg. Yeah. The child needs to be, you know, brought into the world from its own mother, its own father, not someone else, but in a Petri dish or with donated, donated gametes. Mm-hmm. But once the child has been conceived, whether it's in rape, in incest, or in a Petri dish, that's the that's evil, the and it's been yeah. done. Yeah. Now it's a child. Now it's a child. Oh. It's a boy, it's a girl, everything is complete. Think of Mary. And we know that her soul was created and infused at the first moment of her conception. Yeah. So it's implicit in the dogma of the Immaculate Conception how we are created, because she can't be different from us. Mm-mm. Because our human nature is transmitted to Christ through her. So what's true for Mary is true for us. So we know by this dogma that Mary's soul was directly created and infused at the first moment of her conception. Mm -hmm. And so are we. Mm -hmm. So all of these little embryos are the least of our brethren. And what we do to them, we do to Jesus. So we, we start from a... What we know to be true, our faith, the magisterium, sacred scripture, there's so many things there about the Good Samaritan. While the priest and the Levite walked on by, Jesus said, you know, praise the Samaritan for picking up the half-dead person and taking him to an inn and healing him. So we have so much to guide us in this debate. And I believe sacred scripture, magisterium, reason, natural law, eternal law are all on the side of If the parents don't come back to get their frozen embryos, that's what's absurd. Mm -hmm. It's the ones that were already transferred. I mean, that's what you do. You don't leave, you don't do IVF and then leave them in the Petri dish, right? Mm -hmm. You transfer them. So transferring an embryo or embryo transfer is medical assistance. Mm -hmm. It's healing. It's, and absolutely um, what really hit me was if people would like to write this down, it's uh, Donum Vitae 1-3, and it's in the catechism. Everybody should have a catechism. Look up 2275. And catechism 2275 absolutely says that um, as with all medical interventions on patients, one must uphold as licit procedures carried out on the human embryo and do not involve disproportionate risks for it, but are directed towards its healing, the improvement of its condition of health, or its individual survival. Mm -hmm. So, and in other places, cryopreservation is also condemned. So these, these embryos that were not transferred and that are still frozen, uh, cryopreservation is intrinsically evil. That should not be done because it kills half of them. Mm-hmm. And killing an embryo is, is the equivalent of an abortion. Yep. So this this is equivalent to um, a canonical penalty in the Catholic Church of excommunication. IVF kills embryos. Cryopreservation kills embryos. And this is, we should not be doing any of this. But once they have been frozen, the parents need to come back and get them. Mm-hmm. In fact, Dignitas Personae actually calls them orphans oh, when yeah. their parents don't come back for them. That's right. This is in Dignitas Personae talking about parents who have abandoned their children and all trace of their parents has been lost. 
Yeah. And that's why the Pope that was under Benedict the Sixteenth, that was the year two thousand and eight, Dignitas Personae, uh, condemns, you know, repeats the condemnation of artificial procreation, which is both insemination and fertilization (IVF), in vitro fertilization, and surrogacy. All those are condemned, but now you have an, a child that's right that's frozen. That's right. And so the parents should come back. For their frozen embryos. And they should transfer them to their mother's womb. And they should raise them if they have survived. But if they don't come back, what if a parent abandons a child? You've probably heard of safe haven law. They leave the baby outside in a basket outside a church or wherever in a dumpster. It's just you find this child, you adopt it. You find an adoptive living family. So this is just common. And if, if... they find the mother, the mother is, is imprisoned. Endangering or banding a child uh, is punishable with 15 years in prison, if not more. We have to get back to that idea of understanding the beauty of, of, of the, the, the wonder, the miracle of human life and how, you know, it is only, it is, it is something that is, it is the only way, I mean, it is a God moment. We we participate in God's creation when we do that. I mean, there's a beautiful there's a beautiful saying by um, a, a Hungarian uh, cardinal that I that I was using a lot during the convention during the uh, ab- abortion debate here in Ohio, and it talks about the fact that a mother is greater than the person who built the Notre Dame Cathedral. I mean, oh, it's about beautiful. how you know how. How, mother and father. <laughs> yeah, mother and father, exactly. And and you know, mother and father are are created are creating, are participating with God in creation. Wow. What Absolutely. an amazing thing. And we need to understand how 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 gifted and how, how wonderful it is that God's plan is. And now we're seeing it's so it's so frustrating, Elizabeth, in so many ways, having spent my whole life fighting this thing. You know, we see now um, Kim Young, the the, the Chinese. Um, I can never say his name. Um, the Chinese premier, the, the chairman of of the uh, Communist Party, crying because the, the 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 people in North Korea are not having children. You peace, go and have your children. Go have your children. When we start messing with God's creation, we exactly. make such a mess. Such a mess. So. You know, we're right in the middle of this, Molly, and this is a great opportunity for um, these little frozen embryos are not inside a woman's body. Yeah. And so uh, there are states, for example, Georgia, that has passed an embryo adoption law. And for the purposes of adopting frozen embryos, the legal status of an embryo is not property. You don't adopt property. Yeah. <laughs> you adopt a person. Yeah. So the child's legal status is person. And uh, the, I've, we've been through adoption twice. So you have to protect the genetic parents or the placing parents as well as the adoptive parents. It's, it's strict laws. Yeah. And we could pass embryo adoption laws in all 50 states. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it recognizes um, the embryo as a person mm-hmm. exactly. for the purpose of adoption. Yep. And what's fascinating is that there have been divorces, primarily probably over the what to do with leftover frozen embryos. You know, well, we've got five. I'm not 
going to go for the 20 more that are in the freezer. And, and so the parents divorce and maybe the woman wants to have the frozen embryos transferred to her womb. And the husband says, no, no more kids. And so they divorce. And now there are many divorce cases fighting over the disposition of these of frozen the embryos. embryos. Yeah. Oh my and God. are they property or are they persons? Because in a divorce, you divide up marital property. Mm-hmm. But with children, it's a custody battle. That's right. That's right. And so do these embryos go to the parent who's going to destroy them mm-hmm. or who's going to save them? And so I believe it will go to the Supreme Court because there are many cases now and are these embryos persons or property? Absolutely. We're going to have to have you back on again, Elizabeth, because we've only covered like the top little fraction of <laughs> all the things that are out there that we've got to talk about. And we really do need to do a, a deep dive into looking at what is licit, what can we do, what, what, is, what is from God. What is not from God? I mean, we've got exactly. to go through that. And I think that's, it, it's, you know, every time I do these, these uh, interviews and, and, and I bring this up, there are people within the movement that get very upset because, you know, somehow or other these, they've been participating in some, some sort of an in vitro, an IVF uh, situation. And, and my heart goes out to them because, you know, I, I know I've seen it in, you know, close family and close friends and who, uh, you know, when women are unable to, to conceive in natural ways, this is the way they, they, they look at it and think this is what we've got to do. You know, we've got to have our own children. So, you know, th- there's all that. But if we can help people to understand how to do this, I think we I think we will have done a great service to everybody. And I agree. So we, we, we'll have you back I, on. Yeah. Just one quote sure. from the Magisterium. Sure. It's Donum Vitae 2B5. And it says, Although the manner in which human conception is achieved with IVF and ET cannot be approved, yet every child which comes into the world must, in any case, be accepted as a living gift of the divine goodness and must be brought up with love. There you go. So the magisterium is... Is right very there. clear. Absolutely. Dr. Elizabeth Rex, thank you so much. We will get you back on and we'll do a whole series on this because I think it's very important. We, we oh, thank it. you. Okay, take care and God bless you lots and thank you for all you're doing. God bless. Don't go anywhere. I will be back with you right after this very short break with another world-class inspiring guest. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.